If you're wondering whether or not you're a true child of God, Trent Griffith says it's pretty simple. Spiritual birth produces spiritual life, which produces spiritual fruit. The fruit is the proof of genuine salvation. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So I live across the street from a bunch of farmland, and every year, someone in a big tractor plows up the soil and plants crops right there near our house. Then, later that year, they bring in a big combine and harvest what they planted. Now I'm no farmer, but I'm pretty sure that when the farmer puts in 50 to 70 pounds of soybeans per acre, he's expecting the plants that come up will be soybean plants, right? Or if you were planting, say, vegetables in your garden, something would be wrong if the seeds were labeled sweet corn, but started producing cantaloupe. Well, that's just the sort of logic that Jesus uses. Here's Pastor Trent with more. Do you have your Bible? Is your Bible open? Get it open to Luke chapter six. It has been fantastic to be in church this morning and to hear these incredible testimonies of people coming to Jesus and expressing their absolute confidence that they have eternal life because they've repented of sin and trusted Christ as savior. And then we've sung that song this morning. Do you like that song that we've been singing? I am who you say I am and I am a child of God. And we respond by saying, Yes, I am. And some of you have not been able to sing that song with much confidence because we say, I am a child of God. And you say, I hope I am. Well, if I do my job right, you do your job right this morning, everybody is going to leave this room with 100% absolute assurance of their salvation. Do you know that you are a Christian? So I don't even think you can know that. Yes, you can. Do you know that some people don't think they can actually know that? Some faith traditions don't want you to believe you can know because if you knew that you had eternal life, then you just probably go out of here and sin like crazy all week long. So we can't have you thinking that you're saved or something like that. And yet the entire Bible is written so that we can know that we have eternal life, that I can know I am a child of God. Yes, I am. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. My salvation can be assured. Look at what the scripture says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you have a no-so salvation? That's the question this morning. You can know that you are a child of God. If you took everything the scripture had to say about our salvation and the assurance of it and smashed it into one sentence, I did the best I could and put this sentence together. Our assurance of salvation is rooted in the promises of God's election justification and adoption and proven by our obedience, sanctification, and perseverance. 
Now, there are a lot of multisyllabic words in that sentence, so let me just kind of smash it together and, and help you understand what we're talking about. We teach around here all the time, there is nothing that I can do to contribute anything to my salvation. Salvation is entirely a work of God, and it's rooted in God's choice of me, his election and justification, his act of declaring me righteous before God, changing my legal standing from guilty, dirty, rotten sinner to righteous in Christ. That's justification, a legal declaration by God. And then in simple terms, God adopts me as his child into his family. I become his child. He becomes my father and I am an heir to everything that is Christ. And so all of that happens outside of me. That is the root of my salvation. It's in the promises of God. But then, if I have been elected, justified, and adopted, there's going to be some proof that that happened. And the proof is my obedience, sanctification. Sanctification is the process by which every day I become a little more like Jesus. I think a little bit more like Jesus. I love Jesus a little bit more. He separates me a little bit more from the person I used to be and the things that I used to love. And I love what I used to hate and I hate what I used to love. That's sanctification. And then perseverance is that that process continues to the end. All of those who have been elected and justified and adopted persevere in their faith to the end. Salvation is a gift to be received, but all those who have genuinely received the gift of God's salvation, you can't lose it. You persevere to the end because it's entirely a work of God. So my salvation can be assured, but understand this, my salvation must be examined. Is there any proof to your claim that you are a Christian? Notice this verse in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The Apostle Paul says, examine yourselves. Any college students take any exams this week? Where are the college students? Any college students, did, you, did any college students fail any exams this week? Raise your hands. There you go. Thank you for being proud that you failed that exam. Now listen, it, it's okay to fail an exam in college. But there is one exam you cannot afford to fail. This is it. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Are you in the faith? There's only two kinds of people in this room. People who are in the faith and people who are outside the faith. So how can you know? How can you know? You got to examine yourselves. He says this, test yourselves. Or did you realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Only two types of people in the room. People in whom Christ dwells and people that Christ is not dwelling in. So are you in the faith, outside the faith? Is Christ in you or is he not? That can be examined. That can be tested. That can be proven unless... Indeed, you fail to meet the test. So we're going to examine our faith. Again, the, the goal of this service is everybody leaves here today absolutely, 100%, for sure, I am a child of God. Yes, I am. So Jesus is going to tell us here some indications of a genuine Christians, because real Christians prove it. If I ask you, how do you know you're a Christian? What would you say? Some of you would say, well, I believe in God. 
congratulations, you're just like the devil. Because the devil believes in God. You gotta do something, gotta give me something better than you believe in God. Devil believes in God. So you say, well, I, I, I believe that I have asked Jesus into my heart. Now listen, it is true that every true Christian has Jesus dwelling in their heart, but the proof of your salvation is not that you invited Jesus to do anything. And there's never a place in the Bible we're told you're supposed to invite Jesus into your heart. Maybe somebody when you were in vacation Bible school or maybe the youth camp said, if you just invite Jesus into your heart, he'll come in there, he'll dwell, he'll forgive all of your sin, you have a home in heaven. It's like, that sounds like a bargain. And you prayed a little prayer and you did that. Listen, just the fact that you did that is not proof that you are a Christian. You say, well, I go to church. I'm glad you came to church. Thank you for coming to church. Please come back to church. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a football game makes you a quarterback. Being in the place where football players play is not anything that makes you a football player. And being in the place where Christians worship does not make you a Christian who worships. I'm glad you're in church, but you got to give me something better than that. How do you know you're a Christian? You say, well, I, I asked Jesus to forgive my sin. There were two thieves that were crucified on each side of Jesus as he was dying on the cross. Both of them asked Jesus to save them. One of them out of a selfish motive, because he didn't want to be crucified, the other guy asked Jesus to save him because he wanted to be with Jesus in paradise. Different motive. Both thieves asked Jesus to save them. Jesus only saved one of them. You say, well, I was confirmed. I grew up in this faith tradition where I learned all these, these things about God and all these Bible verses and I memorized these doctrines and then there was this test and, and I was confirmed. Were you confirmed by man or were you confirmed by God? Christianity is not a man-made religion. And so it's, you gotta, you gotta give you something else and just you pass some tests and you filled your head full of Bible knowledge. Others say, I got baptized. I'm so glad these people got baptized. I got baptized. Listen, we've said this so many times, but there is nothing about baptism that does anything internally to you. It doesn't change your legal standing before God. Baptism is the expression that something on the inside has been washed and changed. And you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. We believe in believer's baptism. First you believe, then your baptism. So it's important, but it is not salvation. Other people would say, well, Trent, I've always been a Christian. Really? You've always been a Christian? You really believe you've always been a Christian? Listen to me. If you believe you've always been a Christian, please hear me, you have never become a Christian. No one is born into this world a Christian. We're all born into this world, bent away from God, enemies of God, allergic to God. We think we are God and we need God to act upon us to wake us up to the reality that we need a better God than us. Now, you may have been genuinely saved very early and you might not even have a memory of not being a Christian. You can get saved very early. But if that happened to you, there will be a lifetime of proof to back it up. And that's what we're about to learn here from Jesus. Jesus is gonna give us two proofs of genuine salvation that should give everybody in this room 100% absolute assurance that you are a child of God or not. 
And so here we read in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Notice Jesus says, you can know. People who say they are Christians can be known as Christians or people that are not Christians will be known as not Christians, followers of Jesus. Each tree is known by its fruit for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So Jesus uses the simplest analogy that we could come up with. Now remember, Jesus is preaching this outside on a plain. There were obviously trees around. This was a very uh, agricultural environment. People paid attention to those types of things. Um, when I was in college, I took a botany class because somebody said it would be easy. It wasn't easy. And we had to go around. Our professor took us all around the college campus and he pointed out the different types of trees. And I failed that test miserably. I couldn't tell the difference between a maple tree and a, and a pear tree or a partridge in a pear tree. I just, I couldn't get it. The only thing I could tell was whether it was a good tree or a bad tree. Now, without taking a botany class, I got two trees up here. What type of trees do I have up here? Now, now, now if you're trying to figure out the, the breed or, or, you know, whatever, it's, it's real simple. One's a good tree and one's a bad tree. How about this particular tree over here? Would you consider this a good tree or a bad tree? It's a bad tree because what, what's missing? What makes the tree bad? Is it, is it bad because it has bad behavior? No. It's not bad because it has bad behavior. It's bad because it's got no fruit. It's got no evidence of life. Now, what makes this tree good? Is, it, is, is this tree behaving any better than that tree over there? No. What makes this tree good is it's alive. It's healthy. It's growing. And most importantly, it's going to produce fruit. Now, we're early in the season here, so I don't, it's actually a crab apple tree. Now, the signs of life here are more about the flower than it is the fruit, but it is obvious there's life and health and growth. Jesus makes the very simple analogy. You want proof of your claim to be a Christian? It comes down to this proof number one, real simple. It's the fresh fruit of a spiritual life. And it's all about the external evidence of what's going on internally. Now, this tree over here, the bad tree, what if we brought this tree to church? Actually, we did. And so what if we stuck it in front of a preacher? And the preacher, for the next 40 minutes, would encourage this tree to be better. You gotta do gooder. You gotta be more like the good trees in church. Shame on you, bad tree, for being such a bad tree. If you, if you could just do better, shame on you, we'll scold you. Now, 
is anything I'm going to do externally going to change any reality about fruit in this tree? No, because it's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. And if what's on the inside is full of life, it is going to, by its nature, produce good things on the outside. And Jesus calls that fruit. As Jesus was staring at that crowd, he was staring at people that were like the bad tree. They said they were Christians. They said they were followers of Jesus. It's like, if that's true, there should be some external evidence. And he was staring at some other people. He's like, it's obvious. There's life and there's health and there's growth in all of that. Do you know what he is saying? He is telling us that there are millions of people sitting inside of a church building on Sunday morning who say they are Christians. And there is no proof they have a false assurance of their salvation. A nationwide study was done recently and they discovered three out of four people in America self-identify as Christians. Are you a Christian? Yes. And then they went on to discover how they make decisions and how they handle their money and how they do their family life and how they do their sexuality, all these different studies. And this is what they found out. Less than half of those people that say they are a Christian have no affiliation to a local church they found out that less than half of them believe that the Bible is actually true and an accurate record of God's revelation to us. And they found out that the overwhelming majority of them didn't have a biblical worldview on life and death and, and finances and all the different things that, that we think about. There was no fruit. There was no evidence. The researchers dug a little deeper and they asked a little more specific questions and they found out that about half of these people identified themselves as born-again Christians as if there's any other kind, they would say they would embrace this statement as true of them. I have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ and I believe I'm going to heaven because I have accepted Jesus as my savior. So they asked a bunch of questions about them and these people found out that their beliefs and their lifestyles were virtually identical to people who did not claim that statement. They found out that many of those people thought that good works would get them into heaven. They, many of those people thought that Jesus sinned while he lived on the earth. And many of those people were only marginally committed to Jesus at best or even really knew much about his life and his teachings. And so the researchers made the conclusion after all of this research, this is their conclusion. Christians are indistinguishable from non-Christians. That's the wrong conclusion. Jesus would make a different conclusion. The data would suggest that there are millions of people who are calling themselves Christians who are not Christians. And they need to stop calling themselves Christians until you can point to a discernible difference in the way you are living your life from the rest of the world. They aren't Christians. They're fake. They're self-deceived. And they need to have life in Christ 
something generated from the inside, not external from the outside. Spiritual birth produces spiritual life, which produces spiritual fruit. If there is no spiritual fruit, it's because there is no spiritual life because there has been no spiritual birth. In the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul was writing to a church. And apparently there were some people in the church gathering for worship on Sundays that Paul wanted them to understand, you are not going to heaven. And he got so specific, he made a list. If there's any question, he says, look, now the works of the flesh are evident, obvious, external. Here they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. It's almost like, man, that list was getting really bad. And to keep it PG, we just kind of had to say things like this. You get the idea, right? He's writing this to a church. And he wants them to understand if your name is on the list, it doesn't matter how much time you spend in church, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stop calling yourself a Christian. You're fake. There's no life. Because, and it's evidenced by there's the fact that there is no fruit. He gave us another list right after that. He says, but, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Two lists, two trees, two different roots. One root in the flesh, one root in the Spirit, producing different kinds of fruit. Now you may say, well, now wait a minute. I, that said fits of anger. I, I've, I've gotten angry before. Uh, it had drunkenness on the list. I had a wild night back in college and that was not a great night and I was drunk. Does is, is that mean that I'm disqualified for heaven? Listen, what he's trying to tell us is this. If that is an unbroken pattern in your life, if that is the self-describer of who you are and the way you think and the way you live and the things that you move toward, then you should have no assurance that you are a child of God. The fruit is the proof of genuine salvation. And it's revealed gradually and increasingly and continually throughout a lifetime. It takes years to, to watch all the fruit grow. The, the little tag that came on this tree right here that told me it was a crabapple tree because I couldn't identify it by looking at it. Um, this is what it says. It says, the fruit is bright red, three quarter inch, persistent. That's a good description of a good Christian. He's persistent, continually increasing and gradually growing fruit. It, it also says this. It says it features long-lasting, high-quality fruit. Annual fruit display is more persistent than any other natural crabapple. That's what we're supposed to demonstrate. And if you look at your life, you don't see life and you don't see fruit and you don't see a, a change. 
you need to examine whether or not you've genuinely been made a child of God. Jesus gives us a second proof, not only the fresh fruit of a spiritual life, but the firm foundation of an obedient life. Story picks up in verse 46. It's a completely different word picture, but again, it's very simple. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That's a, that's a great question, right? There's all these people going around calling Jesus Lord, and Jesus is shake, shake my head. Like, stop calling me Lord if there's no visible evidence of obeying what I've told you. You see, there's a lot of people that want to embrace Jesus as Savior and have a fire escape from hell and not embrace him as Lord, putting all of their life under his authority and control. And Jesus says you can't have one without the other. You cannot pick and choose which parts of Jesus you accept. Jesus is Lord. And if you accept him as Lord, he will be your Savior. If you reject him as Lord, he will refuse to be your Savior. These are people that want forgiveness without repentance. These are people who want salvation without surrender. They want to go through the motions of praying a prayer or being baptized or being confirmed or going to church without it making any distinguishing difference in their life. Let me put it this way. Let's pretend that what if I told you that on the way to church this morning, I had a flat tire and I was able to get it over to the shoulder of the road and I got out the jack and the spare tire and I began to change my, my tire. But then I stood up and accidentally stepped into the middle of the road as an oncoming semi-truck going 70 miles an hour was barreling down the road. And the front of that semi-truck made contact with my face. But I picked myself up, dusted myself off, finished changing the tire, got back in my car, drove to church, and here I am, no worse for the wear, no lasting evidence that I've had a collision with this in my truck. Question, would you believe my claim? How many of you not, not gonna believe that? Why? Because you're smart enough to know that people that collide with semi-trucks look different. <laughs> and I don't look any different. Now, I'm smart enough to know that if you say you have had a collision with the king of the universe, that he's reached inside your heart and cleansed your sin, and that he's given you a home and a heaven and confidence that, of his goodness, and you don't look any different, I'm not believing your claim either. You're saying you're this, and you look like that. That's Pastor Trent Griffith reminding us that obedience is a great indicator that we've been changed by God. You know, obeying Him is only possible because of God's grace, but it's going to take some effort on our part as well. Through it all, we need God's Word and God's people helping us to see our blind spots. So are you involved in a local church on a regular basis? If so, that's great. And as you rub shoulders with other Christians, you'll sharpen each other and help each other grow spiritually. 
And if you're looking for a church to call home, why not visit Gospel City Church? We meet several times each weekend right here in Northern Indiana. For more details, just visit mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And why not look us up on Facebook for more great content by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week, we'll hear the conclusion of Pastor Trent's message. You won't want to miss it. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word and God's fruit would resonate in your life this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.